Welcome to the Essence of Health Tea Time Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Shayla Toombs Withers. As a double board certified family and obesity medicine physician with over 12 years of experience in medicine, I teach motivated individuals how to achieve their desired quality of life while preventing and reversing chronic diseases. It's tea time. On today's episode of the Essence of Health Tea Time podcast, I have a special guest, Dr. Nicole Murray. Dr. Nicole is a neuropsychologist with a background in rehabilitation medicine. She has worked in academic hospitals, assisting patients who have experienced a significant health status change like stroke, traumatic brain injury, cancer, and multiple sclerosis. Currently, she specializes in working with high-performing women of color, providing them with strategies for change, growth, resilience, and productivity. Dr. Murray uses cognitive strategies to expand their emotional intelligence, which changes how they lead and succeed at work in the business environment. And she shared with me that this is her first time appearing on a podcast. So I'm so excited that she chose Essence of Health Tea Time to make her her premiere entrance. So welcome, Dr. Nicole. Great. Thank you. Well, thank you for having me here. I did not realize you were going to share my secret. Uh, <laughs> happy to be well, you're, here. You're amongst friends, me and my audience. <laughs> Wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah. All right. And so you are the first neuropsychologist that I've had on the show. So I really just even wanted to start because it's such a specialized field with having you just tell us about what is neuropsychology and then tell us your story. What made you even choose this uh, career field? I am, you know, one of the few Black neuropsychologists in the U.S. I think there's only about 45 of us in all of the U.S. And so basically what neuropsychology is, is it's a study of brain behaviors and patterns, right? So we're looking at what the brain is doing and how it's functioning. So people have often heard of neurologists and what they do. And so what neurologists basically do is they look at the brain and they can say, there's a hole in your brain or you're bleeding profusely. They can basically tell you what's going on by looking at the picture right? But a neuropsychologist is basically someone that studies, all right, well, now that we know, you know, you've had this bleed, or you've had a little bit of a suffocation in the brain, what does that look like in your real life, right? And so what is your memory doing? What is your attention doing? All of that. So that's what neuropsychology is. And for me, it's pivoted in in a few different ways. So I come from a background of what we call rehabilitation medicine. So everybody that I used to see has had some kind of major health change and they're rehabilitating back to normal, right? So just like physical therapy, et cetera, we do that with the brain, right? So someone has a stroke or a heart attack, there's things that change and we try to get your memory functioning back, your uh, attention back so that you can go back to work or do what you were doing before, right? Same with the concussion folks that I see. So how I got into that, I was once upon a time a personal trainer And I trained uh, competitive athletes and I remember I was really young, so I'm not going to date myself here, but way back (laughs) when I was doing that (laughs) before the turn of the early, the the last century, uh, I had someone and they had an injury and I didn't really understand what that was about. We trained every week and then all of a sudden she came in two weeks later, she had sustained uh, a brain injury because she was hit by a car and 
it was just a complete shift. Like she couldn't do the same things. She could lift the same way, but her personality kind of changed a little bit. She was a lot more distraught. And it was at that point where I was like, wow, I really wish I could help this person get back to who they were, like get back to at least to a place where they felt comfortable. Right. And I had no idea, by the way, I was already on track to go into psychology, but I actually never even knew something like this existed. I found it was so important because, you know, when your health changes, there is nobody there to really help support you through that transition, right? Your doctor can do what they can, but they're really there to patch you up <laughs> and, you know, yeah. get you healthy and be on your way. No one's there to help you with the repercussions of it. Went to school and I studied neuropsychology and rehab medicine. And that's kind of how I came into the world of neuropsych. And yeah. that's what I've been doing. And, you know, that's so important too, because I will say, you know, in my line of work as the family doc, even when I was seeing folks in the hospital, we will get you back to where you're stable and you're safe. But then yeah, you're exactly right. We turn you over to the rehabilitative folks to really get you back to that normal state um, as much as possible that you can get there. Right. So the work is so important. So I still actually do do that just because there's just not enough of me. And when there is, I'm yeah. retired from that work. But as long as there's just so few neuropsychologists that are out there, I will continue to slice in rehabilitation medicine world. More recently, in the last couple of years, um, I've actually pivoted a little bit, right? And so I'm actually more working in the wellness space. So what ended up happening was, so I've been working in these major hospital systems and it was, and I'm sure you know, every doctor that's listening to this knows, it starts to become a little bit of a hamster wheel. It's like, crank up the reports, see as many patients. And it was just like, I'm not I'm not giving my best care. And I know that. And I know that these people deserve so much more. And the only way to do that is to kind of remove myself from the system and start something on my own. Right. And yeah. so um, I embarked on this entrepreneurial journey. I was going to open up my private practice of rehab medicine and, you know, treat everyone with these brain injuries and MS and cancer. And what ended up happening was. I had a flock of just high-performing Black women with no neurological injury <laughs> come to me and was like, yeah. hey, you're a Black psychologist. I need to see you. And I was like, well, why do you need to see me? This is not even, I mean, it's my specialty, but it was not really my niche. Right. Specialty. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they're like, well, you know what? I know that you work with the brain and I want to perform better at work. Can you help me do that? And I was like, well, yes, I actually can do that. <laughs> so that's kind of how I came into the whole, the wellness space. So now I help, you know, a lot of high-performing women kind of tap into, you know, their cognitive strengths, expand their emotional intelligence so that they can lead better, they can perform better, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that you took that pivot and, and delve into that too. Uh, and then because the other side of it, as high-performing women, a part of us has that, that perfectionist yeah. <laughs> goal that, that's within us. And so we do, we place a, a lot of stress on ourselves 
but we also are typically the type that can realize where we may can use a bit more assistance in our lives and, you know, depending on what that looks like. And so I found that, you know, that great that people reached out to you because they did recognize that they need that. And so with that in mind, what are some of the typical mindset challenges that those high achieving individuals typically uh, have as challenges? You know, I was thinking about this and so many, right? There's so many mindset challenges. I will say the biggest, the biggest mindset challenge is, at least when it comes to mental health and cognitive health, is that it's insidious, right? By the time someone gets to me, it's not that it's too late, but they are in kind of like a completely different world than they want it to be, right? Where it's, completely overwhelming. There's so much stress. They're in a toxic work environment. It's just, there's a lot of digging out that we need to do, right? And so I think that the mindset challenge, which I think is the most difficult, is that people are not aware of how important it is to take care of your your mental health and your cognitive health and your physical health, right? Like yeah. it's really until it's too late, until you get the high blood pressure or you're, hey, you're pre-diabetic or before people are like, oh, wait, I need to actually do something different with my life. Right. right. Also, I think that a mindset in the, of itself, and it can go in either direction. So I have people that have a lot of pride in the work that they do. Mm-hmm. Right. And so they want to that's how they show their worth because they work hard and it shows and they're productive and they do all of the things and then it becomes expected of them and then they keep doing it, but it's not sustainable and then they burn out. So that can be really problematic, right? And then you also have people on the opposite side of the spectrum where they are enough and they are capable, but they don't think that way. And so when you have low self-esteem or low confidence, that manifests in procrastination and not being as productive as you want, a lot of guilt feelings, which becomes very circulatory in nature and just self-deprecating. And that all impacts productivity, right? That actually impacts your brain, right? So I think those are the two mindset challenges on the spectrum. Yeah. And that makes sense. I mean, even the phenomenon of imposter syndrome, which you're hearing more and more about, especially amongst uh, female professionals, a lot of us, we feel like we don't belong at the table. When others look at it and know that, yes, you are worthy. Yes, you are special and you are a high performer and you should be. But that makes a lot of sense what you're saying in terms of when that imposter syndrome sets in, it can actually become problematic with the output. And so, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense what you're saying. Yes. yes. And that's the thing with imposter syndrome too, right? Is that if you've been in a work environment where you've been micromanaged a lot, there's been a lot of handholding, there's been a lot of reporting to, and then all of a sudden you're in a position where you're the boss and you need to do all the things. You're like, well, wait a second, who's checking my work? And that's yeah. kind of where, where the imposter syndrome kind of sets in, right? Because they've never had... Mm-hmm you know, the opportunity to explore and be on their own and independent and learn from their mistakes or doing it at a much higher level where the stakes are much higher and so becomes more anxiety producing. And anything that's anxiety producing has a whole host of health issues, right? As we know. So that is also part of the work, right? That's part of that emotional intelligence work that I do where 
we really got to expand that, get to the root of why the imposter syndrome is happening and just completely dismantle it so they can do the work that they're meant to do, right? Yeah. And yeah. how long do people typically work with you? Like how long does that process typically take for most You know, it's, it's interesting, right? Because I typically only work with people for a short period of time within eight to 12 sessions, mm-hmm. if not less, people usually get what they need from me, right? Yeah. I went to what we call a psychodynamic, a psychoanalytic school. And so for those of you that are not really aware of that, that's when you think of Freud, that is psychoanalytic, right? Like on the couch, lying down with your eyes closed, just free yeah. talking, right? And granted the theory, some of the theory is really great, but it's just that work was not for me. And so I'm more solution focused where you kind of come in with a problem and we say, okay, let's actually look at the problem. Let's figure out if this is a real problem or if this is a problem that you're just thinking that is a problem and we need to make it not a problem. And then once that awareness is there, the tools are very simple, right? You should just kind of implement. And so I would say, you know, between eight and 12 sessions maximum, but then sometimes what ends up happening, right, is that people come in usually with one thing, like, man, I need to get this promotion and I need to be able to talk to my boss. I'm like, okay, yes, let's do some assertiveness training. And then they do it and they get the promotion and they're like, okay, well now I don't think I can really do it. I was just, so there's something else that comes up, right? You know? yeah, um, yeah. Sometimes I end up seeing people for longer, but usually right. her problem, it's maybe about, you know, two months, I would say. I yeah. Should be enough. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. If you're frustrated with your weight, taking more medications than you'd like to, have been told that you are at risk for the development of a chronic preventable disease or just are not feeling in the best of health, then I'm talking to you. Why? Because you're tired of fat dieting. You know it's time for a change and you want a sustainable plan to improve your health. If you have found yourself at this place in life, well, I have developed a program that's just for you. It's called The Essence of Health and it's your prescription for transformation. My goal with this program is to give you the tools needed to create sustainable lifestyle changes within a group coaching setting, along with one-to-one individualized coaching to give you a personalized path to health that's just for you. The benefits are priceless. So join today. Head on over to eohcoaching.com to learn more. The essence of health is in you. And now what would you say are even some tactical strategies that an individual can incorporate to improve their productivity? You know, those people like you talked about, what are typically some tactical things that they can do? You know, I'm going to keep this really simple. And I know that you've already told probably your clients this, you probably tell people on this podcast every week, but it's so important. Here's my three things, drinking water nutrition, right? And sleep. Those are single-handedly the three, some of the three best things that you can do for your brain, right? I'm I'm going to stop you for one second, Dr. Nicole, and and just let the audience know. We did not plan (laughs) this answer. This was not planned. 
Right. But I think it's just so important. And it even just brings home that fact of the interconnectedness of our body and our mind. We can't think of them as two separate entities because they do. They play such an important part with each other. Now you finish telling them why. Absolutely. No, but you're so right. And I, you know, and I tell my clients all the time, if there's one aspect that's down, everything's coming crashing down. So for me, it's, you have your emotional health, you have your cognitive health, you have your physical health. They are all one, it's all health. But once your physical health comes down, your emotional health is gonna probably dip. Your cognitive health is gonna dip. If your cognitive health comes down, your physical health is gonna dip. Your emotional health is gonna dip. They're all interrelated, right? And so it's not surprising that the interventions are also, they also overlap, right? But it's so, it's so, so important. And I'll start with water. So people are not drinking enough water. They think they drink enough water. They do not. They on average drink about three ounces of water a day. That is not enough, right? That's like two water bottles. That's not enough. And here's the thing, right? Just one to 2% of a just a decrease in just hydration. So if you're mildly dehydrated, that will impact your cognitive functioning. It will impact your attention. So just imagine if you're not getting the amount of water that you should be drinking, you will, you'll feel it. You'll feel it. You'll feel the brain fog. You'll feel just sluggishness. You won't feel sharp, right? And they actually did this study in 2019. I'm not going to bog you down with too much research, but they did this study where they followed around people for, I think it was 30 days or something like that. And they had found that when they drank enough water, when people drank enough water, it boosted their productivity by 14%, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it's pretty significant. 14% is is. significant. Yeah, for sure. Um, And so just the importance of water. And again, our brain, it thrives on blood and oxygen. Water transports it there. Like you just, you need it. You need it to live. You need it to think clearly. And so I say water is kind of my number one go-to for things that people can do to just also prevent the cognitive decline as well, right? You want to be up with your water, water intake. And the second, and this is not in order, by the way, it's not that water is more important than sleep and sleep's more important than water uh, because sleep has also been really shown to have an impact on your brain. One of the things you also want to think about is that, you know, when you think about things like Alzheimer's, right? Neurofibrillary tangles, right? When you sleep, your brain actually is washing itself, right? It's, it sheds all of the, we call it neuronal garbage right, from your brain when you're sleeping. Mm-hmm. And so when you don't get enough sleep, there's just more opportunity for tangles to develop, right? Now, I'm not saying that if you don't sleep, you're going to get Alzheimer's disease. It's really in the genes. It's either going to get it or you're not. But where sleep comes in is how quickly you get it, right? Me as a mom of three, I always think about my kids and especially when they, you know, were toddlers and they couldn't quite vocalize so much. But if they had missed the nap or they were overtired, they just get really crazy. They might fall out. They might anything, make them cry, start speaking gibberish. And and you're like, there's nothing. You just need a nap. You just need to go to sleep. You know? Exactly. And we still, as adults, we still do the same thing. (laughs) Absolutely. You're so right. You're so right. When people are cranky, 
they need a nap, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it's so, so important. And, you know, just as you mentioned, your kids also keeping in mind, that's when you learn and you grow when you were sleeping, right? Mm -hmm. And so if you're not getting that, you're not, it impacts your memory functioning because you're not able to, your mind puts together the memories while you're sleeping, right? It consolidates it. And so when you get a little of that, it really does have some impact on how you think, not just with clarity, but with also memory. So yeah, so that is my spiel on sleep. And for those of you that work late hours and have their employees working late hours, you want to be careful with that because there's a lot of research set up there that says you lose almost 10 grand per month per employee when their employees are not sleeping enough because of stress or because of work, right? Mm -hmm. And so there's also a financial component to it as well. Right. And so, and if you're working for yourself, right. Yeah. Then you're, you're losing 10 grand <laughs> about basically a month. Right. And so if you don't want to do it for yourself, right. You want to do it for monetary gain. That's fine too. But just note that it does, it does have an impact um, on all levels. And so sleep is super important. And then the last one I would say is nutrition, right. And nutrition, I'm not, listen, nutrition is obviously your (laughs) expertise. So I'm not going to go into like the nitty gritty of that, but I will say as it specifically relates to the brain, right? You want to get those omegas in, right? You want to get those good fats in that will help again with just clarity, attention and memory, attention and memory, executive functioning, all of that, right? It's going to help with that. And so really we call it, we say you want to just like how you would put like high performing fuel in a really good car. You want to put high performing foods right in your body. Great analogy. Yeah. So I would say that as well. And for you nighttime snackers out there, (laughs) if you are guilty of that, that also has an impact on your productivity. And that only takes about 10 days to show up. Right. And so if people eat late at night, there's some sluggishness that happens throughout the day. So yeah. All of these sort of things, they really absolutely yeah. do have an impact. They're so yeah. simple and you hear them all the time, but mm-hmm. they absolutely do count. Um, yeah. And just to expound upon that, uh, for those who are listening, when you eat too late at night, because food is fuel, you're actually re-revving that metabolism. And so you're affecting your, your body's ability to then achieve those stages of sleep that it needs to actually create that quality sleep and to help your brain as Dr. Nicole has been talking about. So yeah. So, so put the snack down, just go to bed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So there's other things too that you can do, right? And so this is kind of where my work comes in, where we do, you know, brain challenging exercises or certain customized things that we do with folks to help them kind of, you know, problem solve better, think analytically, those sort of things. But that's, it's really dependent on the individual on where they're at. So I'm not going to go into too much of that there, but those three things everybody can do, which is get more mm-hmm. sleep, drink more water, eat well. Right? Yeah. And those are yeah. super important. You know, like we yeah. talked about for, for body and brain, mind, for everything, super important. And so one of the other things I wanted to chat with you about is executive functioning, especially because you work with high-performing individuals. And that's one of the things that we know that can be a challenge, particularly 
amongst women, as I've read some studies about the ADHD rate amongst women and especially amongst high, high performing women with that rate. And so can you just expound about executive functioning and how someone maybe can even benefit from adding executive functioning therapy or coaching into their, their plan for themselves? So much to say about that. <laughs> but um, let me just talk about the ADHD piece for a second. So if you've been diagnosed with ADHD, it absolutely affects your executive functioning, right? That's that's one of the, the major issues. But I will also say that there is definitely been an increase in diagnosis of ADHD, and we're not sure if that is their accurate diagnosis. And the reason why is because what ADHD looks like, it looks like a lot of other things as well. Yeah. It can look like chronic fatigue syndrome. It can look like anxiety. It can look like, it can look like a whole bunch of other things. So it's really important to get evaluated properly because you just don't want to be put on a medication that does more harm than good. Um, and with women, especially, here's the thing is that we're not, no one is really meant to layer as many responsibilities as women do, right? Oh, like, that I mean, is so true. Yeah, we I mean, try literally, to literally. It wasn't. I feel like it wasn't that long ago. But again, I'm going to be aging myself. But like <laughs> in the '60s and '70s, in these in these eras, we were really just, and even before that, we were really just kind of child rearing mostly, and maybe doing some work. It's not really until the '80s, '90s, and up we've now like, okay, we'll do all of the housework, plus the child rearing, plus going to work. Now we're breadwinners, right? And so that's a lot of stress. It's not like you're just going to work, you know, putting stuff in envelopes and going home. Like you literally have to do some high level thinking at work. It's cognitively loaded and it's exhausting. And even if you have help with kids deciding, okay, is it time for their dental appointments? And when's the report cards coming out? And I have to do this. And when should we do that? Like the planning aspect, just because you're not sweeping a floor, it, I'd actually rather sweep a floor, but like, <laughs> because it's not cognitively loaded. When you have all of this stuff that's cognitively loaded, it just makes you so much more tired, right? And it weighs on you. And it ends up looking like ADHD because yeah. it's exactly the same symptoms, right? So, but when we're talking about executive functioning, this is your, this is basically how you think right? This is how you problem solve when you read between the lines, how you organize information, all of the hot, we call it high performing brain activities. That is your executive functioning right here in your frontal lobes, right? Here's the thing is that they're not even fully developed till you're 25. And by 25, people can be in these positions where they're doing yeah. things. And it's just, you literally go from zero to a hundred and it's, it's a lot. And so how executive functioning therapy can help is to really break things down that work for you, right? Whether you're neurodivergent or not, you're still, people think differently. It's the brain. And so you do really need kind of a customized approach to how you handle things, right? It's not a one size fit all. I love seeing these like Buzzfeed and Google articles, like here's how to be productive, break things down into smaller tasks. Like, no kidding. Like, right, thanks. right. Yeah. <laughs> <Thanks for> that. <laughs> but it's really how you break it down and what you're going to do when you break it down and like really kind of the details of it, you know, a coach can help you with, right. Mm -hmm. And just be more productive, but also give you the support you need on that emotional side as well, so that you have the confidence 
and the courage to go ahead and move forward and break through barriers. Thank you for that. Yeah, yeah, that was very helpful. And I'm glad you hit on some of those too, those high points about we do a lot, especially if you have children or a partner at home, you're doing those things, you're working and sometimes just being overworked and lack of sleep can, like you said, have those same uh, presentations as what ADHD would look like, but it's more of those cognitive things that are going on from what we previously mentioned due to the, to the lack of sleep and stress. Well, I was just going to say, just to touch on stress is that I feel like people expect to be stressed <laughs> at work. I mean, I feel like when you ask anyone, how is work going? Oh man, I'm so stressed. Or, oh man, I'm so tired. That is not normal. <laughs> Your brain doesn't like that. It doesn't want to be stressed all the time and it doesn't want to be tired all the time. Right. And, you know, when you are stressed chronically, it has such an impact on your health, right? It's kind of see it like as a as a cascading series of events like it starts with stress and worry no big deal but when it's chronic then you raise your cortisol levels and then what happens when you raise your cortisol levels then you have all of these sort of health issues um this is why there's a lot of people that are seemingly healthy because they exercise but they're still not healthy because they have so much cortisol Mm -hmm. right in their system and so that's it's one of the things that you really have to keep an eye on because cortisol it it detracts from your attention mm-hmm. and attention is complicated i'm not going to go into a whole neuroscience <laughs> lecture here i have to bring but, you back well do, we could do a whole episode <laughs> no right no we could do a whole episode on attention right. in and of itself yeah but i don't know if anyone has ever been kind of like in a meeting and they're trying to kind of take in information while someone's talking but they also want to generate their own content of what they need to say back. And that becomes difficult. That's what it affects. Stress affects that part, right? When someone's talking to you and then you're like, I don't know what to say, or I'm having trouble finding my words. It's, it's that what it affects, right? When you're mm-hmm. stress-free, right? If you're explaining something to someone that doesn't know anything, the words just flow <laughs> out of your mouth, right? Yeah. It's so easy. But then when you get stressed, when you get intimidated, all of a sudden you're freezing up. You still know the information. Right. But you can't articulate it in the way that you want, right? That's what stress mm-hmm. does, right? And so, yeah. you know, it's one thing that you really want to keep an eye on because it does impact your productivity and your flow, your workflow. A prime example of that is like if you had to, you know, suddenly give a presentation in front of a lot of people, like you said, you you definitely know the material or else they probably wouldn't be asking you anyway. But just by you feeling that, that just sudden stress from being, having to present in front of all of these people, you suddenly use your words and you flubber around a little bit. <laughs> so, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Yes, yes. Your brain function is, is suddenly frozen. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. I've been there. <laughs> yeah, everybody has, right? Oh, yes. Right. Yeah. Very familiar feeling. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, thank you so much, uh, Dr. Nicole. This was fun and this was very informative. Like I said, I haven't had any uh, one of your specialties. So I, I definitely appreciate you coming and um, talking about these topics. And so where can my audience find you online if they wanted to connect with you? Uh, well, they can find me on LinkedIn. I'm around on LinkedIn. Um, we have 
we are going to be starting a YouTube channel soon, but uh, we're not ready yet. So if anyone wants to go to my website, I can drop the link and yeah, you can find me there. Yeah, sounds good. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for joining me today on the Essence of Health Tea Time podcast. Click the subscribe button on your favorite podcast platform so that you never miss a moment of the Essence of Health Tea Time podcast. Check out the show notes to obtain your free tips for healthy living guide to get you started on your health and wellness path. Follow me on social media at Essence of Health Wellness Clinic on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube and at dr.tw at eohwc on TikTok. Interested in becoming a member of the Essence of Health Coaching Program? Well, head on over to www.eohcoaching.com. The Essence of Health is in you.